0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and a founder at Boldside, where I help leaders build epic team cultures. Today on the show, I'm joined by good friends. Lachlan Bradford and Rob Hicks from the Funny Business Podcast. They've been on the show before and we got a lot of love for their episode. It was super fun. So we've got them back and we're going to share our unsolicited career advice. This is the things that you didn't ask for that we're going to give you. We're going to have some real talk about the best and worst career moves and what you can learn from them and some painful career lessons. Buckle up. Let's do it. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson and today on the show, I'm joined by my good mates in Melbourne, in real life, Rob Hicks, Locke Bradford. How are you?
0: Cold, cold today. It's freezing. We caught the V-line down. I know you come from uh, interstate, but we. it took us, how long did
2: it take us? We had a get... cancelled train. We had oh, to did wait, you? We had to yeah, wait yeah. for a coffee. So
1: you've overcome adversity to be here.
2: It's been a bit day. That's so all actually. we're trying to say, yeah. It's but been hard for us. <laughs> it's been hard for us. But
0: how about you? you? You flew all the way to Melbourne.
1: I got one hour of sleep just to hang out with you guys. It's a big deal. That's
0: crazy. One hour of sleep. I don't think I could operate on one hour of sleep. Have I, you?
2: I def- well, I've i done a few like interrupted sleep, but I can, be, I can safely say that M, my partner, when Matilda was in her first like, year of life doing a lot of the early wake-ups, I was a bit tired. You know, I didn't always get you're up. You're grumpy when you're tired. Yeah, too. a little
1: bit
2: sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Short <laughs> fuse, we? So one, one hour sleep, I don't think I'd be operating that No, well. no.
1: Normally I have nine. I'm like quite a disciplined sleeper. So we're going to get into today's episode and we're going to share our unsolicited career advice. So no one asked for this, but we feel like you need to hear it. And I'm really keen to hear both of your best and worst career advice. But before we get into it, we have a really cool announcement coming up. All right. So big news. We're doing a culture and clarity workshop together as a group because we feel like the three of us do cool stuff together. And we both have done workshops separately with businesses. And we thought we would combine this as a culture and clarity collab workshop. So what are we doing?
2: I just think if you're looking to have a bit of fun, inject a bit of fun and understanding, create some alignment in your organization. It's, uh, it's one of those things. When we started hanging out, Shell and I lock your what's your job in this?
0: Oh, just collating the information and just making sure you're <laughs> <user laughs> happy. That's my job. You know, uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy? I'm Karamo. Picture, you know what I you mean? You bring the vibe. <laughs> I bring the vibe. I'm making <laughs> sure everyone's having a good time. You know, and you're sure.
1: the head of marketing.
0: Head of marketing, chief, of, chief marketing officer,
2: CMO. I can do it all. Do your, I know we're going to get into careers after this, but do, does your family still struggle to understand what you do?
0: Yeah, like, yes. That, is, that actually comes up quite a lot. No one... Even my partner, tells she doesn't really have a clue. Yeah. I'm
2: really bad at explaining. Emma was stuff. trying to have to do, fill out forms and stuff, and she's like, What do I put as your, your profession? I say self employed, but what? What? Yeah. What, what is ministry. it? What do we do?
1: Chief podcast officers.
0: I like that. Well, Sounds I, important. Yeah. Yeah. Being a podcaster, I like, I like that tag. If people say, Oh, it's Lockie the podcaster or whatever, I dig that.
1: I mean, well, you guys do how many podcasts a week on funny business?
0: Four. Yeah, it used to be five, so we're doing five for maybe two years, I reckon, and now we've dialed it back to four, but we've got a new format that we're going to drop, oh, it's pretty much already happening, so we'll be just dropping guest episodes whenever now, so whenever more we pods. have good chats, more pods. Oh my
1: gosh, that's we a lot.
0: It. We love the sound of our own voice, don't we? Yeah,
1: so this this,
2: this episode's perfect, especially if you like unsolicited advice, <laughs> it's your favourite thing to give.
0: Yeah, but honestly, I'm so excited for, all, for us all to get in the same room together and uh, rock the house, because we've been working on... This for a little bit, haven't we? Over the last like month or two.
2: Yeah, we had a bit of a yeah. semi-interrupted stint when you came down to Melbourne last time, Shell, and um, I feel like this is something that when we all started hanging out, realised that we're a lot of similarities, not just in the podcasting stuff that we do, but from the stuff working with teams and in and around businesses, and excited to see the outcomes of trying to put something good out in the world.
1: Yeah, and I think for us, if you are a business owner or you're a leader listening and you feel like your team needs help with culture or with clarity in terms of goal setting, in terms of strategy, this is where we're trying to combine our forces because this is something that, Rob, you've done in heaps of organisations, massive organisations helping them really coordinate what are we focusing on, what are the priorities, what are the goals? And for me culture goes hand in hand with that for us to get the job done we need to have a good culture so if you're interested in talking to us about that workshop let us know message me we'll have a link to the clarity call in the show notes we'd love to get in touch and Locke would love to chat to you because that's – front of
0: house, <laughs> that's me, baby. Uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be. Uh, send all your inquiries to me. got the it. headset on, will you? We got the headset on. I'm always on. I don't. <laughs> so, you always know, you available, twenty four seven. That's part of the job. You know what I mean? Twenty four seven. This is
1: service the level agreement.
0: I'm, honestly, I'm excited because Rob, you've been doing this shit for ages. Hey,
2: I think one of the hardest things in uh, background working with tech companies is aligning everyone so they feel like. When I turn up to work every day, I know what, what I'm doing impacts the bigger picture. How does what I do on a day-to-day basis help the organisation move forward? And then from a business owner's perspective, how do I coordinate my team to make sure they're working on the right things? And everyone's understanding what we're trying to achieve and, and why we're here and what we're trying to do. And aligning it with the culture stuff, Michelle, I feel like it's perfect because we're people-focus people and I don't think that really like – You can't run without working in a good team environment and understanding how each other work and they are, it's the same, same, but same, same, but different.
1: Totally. So let us know if you're interested. We'll chat to you about what's involved. We'd love to come in and work with you and your business. All right, time for some unsolicited career advice. I've got some questions that I've prepared and they're really basic, (laughs) but I'm going to just throw straight to whoever wants to jump in. Best career advice you've ever received and why?
2: I feel like you've got a good one. Lock. You were telling on the train the way down, and I, I oh, I'll, you, you
0: were trying to give me the story. You were like, hey, how about <laughs> you were giving
1: this? advice on the advice he was, that he needs. And to I get-
0: already had another story in my head. I'm like, maybe I've got two. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I think I think it's funny because we've done the pod and like had lots of business people come on and share their advice. But I think from an early age for me, that the seed was my. Oh. Grandpa, who we call Grumbum. And he's done ever since he was like 14, he like left home, lived in the stables and stuff, and he always got a new job. And he was always just like, if you didn't like something, you just move on. And I just think like him starting stuff new all the time gave me the confidence to be like, oh, if I don't like something, I can just do something else, you know, and like starting new things doesn't have to be that hard, just like get a move on. So that's sort of always stuck with me on like a guiding like light for me around like career and mindset around like hey if you don't like something you can just start something something else.
2: The Bradfords have another rule, don't they? Yeah,
0: it's four four day work week. So the Bradfords they like uh, they like chilling out. They like relaxing. They like family time. So yeah, it's always sort of been like that. Not just my immediate family, but the uncles and all that sort of stuff. So sort of flows outwards. But we do have a good family life, and to be honest, that's why. I mean, we get stuck in this a lot. We all work in the in the start-up hecticness of work and career, but, like, at the end of the day, it's all about family and, and your home life, isn't it, really? I know you, for me it you is. You
2: always fill, fill time in with more work, but I, I like your approach. You don't always take your own advice, but the four-day work week, the breath. Yeah, I work, to work, too, hard <laughs> I work guilty, too hard sometimes, and I feel guilty. But
0: that's, that's honestly in my head because I know, like, to get stuff done and to make things happen, you need to work really hard, and sometimes that's long hours, and it might be seven days a week for a period, but also chilling out and having that time to just be like, hey, I don't need to slave away my whole life for for what for, you know. So like just balancing that, I always feel like guilty on one end and then I know the opposite on the other.
1: Someone was saying to me the other day because I was talking to them about the struggle as a mum and as a parent, so it's not just mums obviously, but the struggle of feel like you're kicking goals in your business or your work, it always feels like it's coming at the expense of your family be that if you've got kids or, or if you don't have kids, the same thing with your partner. You feel like it's coming at the cost of something and then the flip side is when you're really invested in your family, then you feel like your career is suffering and I find that tension really bothers me. Like I have no solution or answer to it but I just hate that idea of like what you said, Locke, of like the guilt on either side. Like I don't have a resolution To that, I know that I've been in this like the last twelve months has been freaking hectic, like starting this business, and I'm like, when I keep thinking, when will I get to the stage of like it being easier? And I don't know that that's gonna. This is a depressing thought.
2: Just live in the pain forever.
1: (laughs) I'm like, how do you? Resolve it. Like, what?
2: What do you do? Because um, I feel the same things. We, we talk about it all the time. Like, why well, working from home, being being able to do the pod, and working with Locke who's um, if you're listening first time, finding out about us, we're best mates. Run a pod called Funny Business, and we live around the corner. So when we go to our workspaces, it's usually at either of our houses. We and, used to
0: sleep in the same bed, top and tail,
2: <laughs> for like three years when we first met. Yeah, you know, like,
0: we're very close time. friends. We are very close. <laughs> Very close, yeah, no. It's not like very
1: that. Very
0: intimate. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like that. But, or is it, Soft you know? kisses on the neck. He loves
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, got, I've got an 80-month-old daughter, Matilda, and uh, working from home and having her there, I'm a sucker for I'll go do whatever. You know, I'll go and we're playing something, we're doing some drawing, they're going to go for a walk around the block or go to the park. or That excuse for me, someone who's very easily a rubber arm, happy to be twisted to go do something else, I struggle with being able to have enough time to focus and do things and I get the guilt, like I'm not doing enough work but then the same if we've had a couple of days like back and forth to Melbourne travelling and I'm leaving my wife to like do dinner and bed and the full day and then she got the next day doing the full thing again knowing that I'm not coming home for like a couple days. I'm going, just get a couple of nannies. Yeah, just get a couple of nannies. (laughs) I'm like, I do, I I feel the same thing and it's like, I don't know, there's always a trade-off in things that feels like I'm just sort of trying to navigate and swim through it at the moment, not doing anything particularly well but just existing.
1: Yeah, it's funny like that idea of is it a problem to be solved or tension to be managed and I'm like, I feel like it's a tension that needs to be managed but I'm managing it really poorly. (laughs)
0: I like the way you put that, tension to be managed. It's
1: not my words, it's um, I think uh, Andy Stanley is the guy who said that. I've just adopted it.
0: I like that. I never cite people when I give out good information because that's <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> majority
0: that's... <laughs> of my dialect. <laughs> just regurgitating other people's smart just stuff. Just
1: put your spin on it though. Yeah, like yeah. No, That's what no, no, I feel.
0: No. I feel like it's a superpower. I use it a lot where we're like, we could do the podcast so we meet so many amazing people. Like subconsciously I must be smart. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Rob asked all the right questions. So it must get drilled into my brain somehow. i got so, nothing to say
2: on that.
1: <laughs> so four-day work week. That is, like, your family is obviously ahead of the times and adopting new things. Like, if you don't like it, just change. You can change. Well,
0: the confidence, that. yeah, of, like, you don't have to stick around at something if you're hating it. And, like, I know it's tough times now with all the jobs and shit going on, but, like, I don't know. There's no other option, is there, besides fucking having a crack, so have a dip.
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: 100%. Weird times we're living in, weird yeah. times.
1: Best career advice you've ever received and why?
2: My one I was trying to think about this one is perception is reality. I feel like I learned the hard way early in uh, – like coming out of school, I was lived a pretty lucky life, you know. Like I was good at sport, always thought I could play sport and then went into the elite environment, got drafted to Richmond Footy Club and was not doing less but I was happily – like I was very much an 18-year-old teenager like going home. I didn't smoke, I didn't drink, I didn't do anything bad. I'd just – I'd go to footy training. I'd go home and play video games. Like I was pretty – it's a bit of a nerd really but – I think one of the things I learned early is like on, a, on a, in those sort of like high performance environments where people get measured on, even if they're just there, they're watching things, they're doing the extras or whatever that they need to do. Is perception is reality, whether or not it's the truth is is another thing. And I think that some one of the things I've learned is if you're especially from a culture perspective and you're trying to win people's trust and do different things, it's it's important to put your best foot forward at, at all times and think how can I. Create, I think it's a good, it's how can I make a good impression? How can I add value to this environment? How can I be a better teammate, be a better employee or whatever that might be? Or even if it's like starting and changing your careers, it's like perception might be you don't know everything but you're not trying to portray that you do, you know Ooh. what I mean? And it's like being smart with how you want to position yourself knowing that everything comes down to how people think and what how they act and how you – what relationships you can build based on whatever.
0: That's brand, baby.
2: That's That's brand, brand, yeah. And then I think that at the start maybe learning that stuff at like 18 and realising that the world's a a pretty big, harsh place and it's like – Training wheels are off, baby. Training wheels are off. Yeah,
0: training (laughs) wheels are off. Don't know why I keep saying baby.
1: That's (laughs) right. I like it. I'm into it. Top and
0: tail, mate. Kiss me (laughs) on the
1: neck. I think as well as you're describing perception is reality – I remember when I first started hearing about personal brand way back and you know, early days of this podcast, three plus years ago, we did an episode on personal brand, and I just cringed. And I I remember saying, "I don't like personal brand. I don't. I'm not into it." The funny thing is, when you think about perception is reality, and you think about your own brand, whether you think that's lame or not is really irrelevant. It's there. Like whether I agree that people judge me based on things that maybe aren't deeply important or related to my character, people do make snap judgments. And so you have to know that that's the unfortunate reality that we operate in. And so, therefore, how I show up on a day-to-day basis impacts how someone perceives me.
2: And how that looks now is across all different social platforms. It's how you speak, it's how you communicate, it's what you share, it's what you like. You know who does
0: it well? The Kardashians. I think they're the OGs of, like, sharing because you feel like you get everything, but they hide what they want to hide, you know. Always
2: say like, curated, yeah, curated experience of what you yeah. actually want to share. That's brand perception, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Well, what you were saying, perception is reality. Yeah. But I think, like, in terms of like truth telling and like, you lo- like you were saying, like, we found it hard. You're going through personal stuff, but you got a public, you know, like we do a public
2: podcast. That's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Like, uh, talk about it now. Like, when we first caught up to do this, maybe six weeks ago or five weeks ago, or whatever. Uh, at, at the day, I had some really sad. Family news, my wife went through a miscarriage and like trying to then, we will try. do I do pods? Do I still have to do things? Like we do, we run our own business. So it's like not really many sick days and that. It's just a weird experience trying to juggle those things. And then first time realizing like, oh, if you're not going to do a pod, you've got to tell people why you're not doing stuff. And it's like, well, that's a weird life.
1: It's weird when you feel like your life is accountable to other people who don't even know you.
2: A hundred percent. I was like, "This is weird." And we we're saying, like, you can't really nowadays. You can't just disappear. You can't just disappear a digital identity. If you ditched all socials and stuff, you still. We were
0: trying. We were looking. at we ways to go off grid, and you can't really unless you mooch off someone. You, you know, you just for the like, electricity. you still got to
2: pay bills, and yeah. you've still got digital. Like, you can't not exist anymore. Back, like in like uh, I reckon, like the seventies, eighties was like prime growing up. <laughs> you know, like you've you go away for four days on a camping trip with your friends and come back and. Everything's still in slow motion. Nothing's happened since the kettle's still boiling,
1: you know? (laughs) I think that's a good point though when around curation and I keep hearing this idea of like show up as your authentic self at work and I've been thinking about it going, but what happens if like your authentic self is a bit of a dick? Like... You know, yeah. <laughs> pointing yeah, at you're pointing a lock. you pointing a lock
0: and going, he's fooled every other for three hey, years. you got, you got too many problems. Bottle them up. <laughs> don't. don't bring them to work. Curate that.
1: You know. Like, so so how, do you, how do you kind of be authentic? Like the Kardashians example, obviously they're very authentic. Oh. But how do you be your authentic self but also be smart about what you want to portray and what do you want to be known for?
2: I saw this the other day is restraint is a skill. Oh, you like that. You screenshotted that and sent yeah, it to me. Yeah, I was like that? someone focusing really hard, <laughs> <tinned>. like,
1: like <laughs> thinking,
2: uh, thinking about what instead of like always like first option, like taking a pause and it's not like think about things before you do it. Not as simple as that. But like having restraint in all the, in, in everything you do, That your, your first reaction, even your second one might not be the best thing to do. And and that taking a breath might taking be. Taking the emotion out of it.
0: Yeah. We're very emotional people, aren't we? Well,
2: I think Locke and I, you and I, especially in the, how we operate and things, we don't, We try and be like regardless of the situation if things are good, bad, shit, ugly, whatever, even if it impacts us bad, we don't try and bring any uh, – how do you leave emotions out of it? I think that's a really difficult thing because it's – especially when like we're doing what we're doing is like pay our bills to live our life, you know. (laughs) It's hard not to have emotions on things but it it doesn't help you I don't think. Like
0: zooming out, I think that's a skill in it, zooming out, taking the feelings. But like you kind of get addicted to the, the process or you get used to that, don't you? I failed it. A the more bit. you do it. Yeah, the more you do
1: it. Definitely a discipline though, because I love that idea of, of restraint and how do you kind of operate out of a place of self-control? So your first emotional response to a situation, like let's say something happens at work and someone really pisses you off, and your natural <laughs> response is the ranty email or Slack message back. It's like, how do I exercise self-control, give myself space and distance from this particular thing? And then, like, you know, come back at it with a clear head. I had this, this classic example because I'm, like, a, quite a rage feedback person. So, like, I can give, <laughs> I can give feedback in a, in a moment of rage and, like... I I'm, love that. <laughs> so, like, it doesn't happen that often because I'm quite considered if I give feedback. But when I'm, like, really emotionally, like, driven by something, it, go, it gets really bad And I was pregnant, I was like 38 weeks pregnant with Bowie, my second kid, and Sam, we were renovating our house. Sam came home and was like, you're, like, could tell I was really stressed. And our house, like, we had all these issues with our bathroom. Anyway, he's like, let's get out of the house, let's go to the beach. And I'm like, I haven't eaten all day. I'm so hangry. Like, the angriest person.
2: At 38 weeks pregnant, I'm I'm hiding, I reckon. I'm yeah. under the I'm under, behind the cash Everything I'm throwing food towards you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Free today, free today.
1: <laughs> Our builder was like, we you are the worst. Like you're the worst person. No, but so I'm we we drive and I'm like on the way we have to go to Macca's because I desperately need chips. So we go through, get the chips, and they're cold. And then I just went into a full rage blackout, right? So I get on the email and I took Sam's phone. So I was conscious enough of what I was doing to email yeah, emailed from Ronald. Sam's. Emailed <laughs> Ronald, emailed, emailed McDonald's,
0: I, hey mate, <laughs> like, speed it up.
1: So it's I cold. send them this like rage email to be like, your chips are <laughs> consistently cold, like consistently, like as if this is a recurring pattern of behaviour from them. It's crazy. I went into like, went to town anyway. Send it from Sam's email because I was like, I didn't want it to be attached to me at all. He's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, just don't. He's just
2: trying to live (laughs) stress-free. He's
1: (laughs) he's like, meanwhile, he's gone bald in that time because he's like so stressed. So they send me, then they mail me out these like $3 vouchers, (laughs) $3 Maccas vouchers. I say all that.
2: How many vouchers are we talking?
1: Three, so nine bucks.
0: Squeaky wheel gets the grease, huh?
1: Yeah, I got but you know what? I was too ashamed to ever use them.
0: You're going back to the same one? <laughs> to the same person?
1: I was so embarrassed. Like, I was like, so, anyway, I was more. Cold excited. chips
2: are worth, worth an email, though, I reckon. I That's reckon why, they are. How much do you hate cold food? Cold, for, uh, cold fast food. Fast food to be cold. And no. I mean, especially when they make
0: you wait in the waiting bay and then they come and or they get it wrong, or it's like, I don't no. want to get out the car to come give you a bake. You know, <laughs> I went through the drive through because I don't have any pants on. <laughs>
1: But I say all that and I really feel like there's a story behind that or is that just a consistent theme of not going through the drive-thru without pants on?
0: No, nah, like I don't really, it's not pants, it's shoes, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I'm not chatting. that loose, I'm not that loose. Imagine the <laughs> pantless driving. I okay, you pulled over. Right? Arrested. <laughs> they can't see in though, can they? They've yeah. got the tinted window. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I do tell that story for a reason that I feel like our emotional response is not our best self. Oh, no, no. But it's our authentic self and that's the weird thing. It's like be your authentic self but my authentic self in that moment was the rage feedback giver Yeah. but that's not my best self. So I don't understand that logic that we keep hearing in the workplace.
0: Yeah. Remember when we had to do the email to our landlord or whatever or our – who was it when we – we had some issues, uh, Airport West. Remember that? And we're writing, we're trying, to, we're trying to get the best outcome. So we're thinking, how do we get the best outcome? But they still need to know that what they did was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> guys, I was like, how can we write a considered piece where it's not that emotional, it's just cold hard facts Not passive aggressive. So it's like problem solving the outcome. Yeah, sometimes we have to do a few cuts on the email.
2: Hey, first draft, second
0: draft, third draft. Hey, whoever, No, hope you're having a good day. It's just, hey, where's
1: this? (laughs) Or or no hey at all, just where is this? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You've got to fluff it up a little bit, you know.
1: You do. Anyway, first impressions, perception is reality. Love it and definitely love, sorry about my big tangent on authentic self. I'd love to know now. What is the worst career advice or, conversely, you can you can take this as you will, worst career advice or most painful career lesson?
2: I reckon my one, if I go back to the same like perception as reality and talk about my, my situation, straight out of school I got when I got picked up to Richmond, I was there and I would v- very much have been in all... As a kid, very sporty. I'd been in all the development programs. I'd been in all the opportunities to think that I was going to be one of the lucky ones to have a long a long career. And I think that doing some of the stuff, if I was trying to word this in, in the car on the way down. It was like... We're on the train, mate. Yeah, on the train, whatever it is. It was we waiting. catch a train, mate. Yeah, V-Line. Yeah. It was like instead of playing to my strengths, focusing on my weaknesses a little bit. And I think that I got stuck with the advice of... Sometimes in, in those sort of environments you're like follow the game plan, do what you said, do what the boss says, that's what the process says to, to do but sometimes that's not always the best thing that you should you should do. And then there are better ways of doing things. There's ways to actually showcase people in their best light and I think that's some of the stuff too that why I am so interested in the culture side of things and how do you get the best out of people and I think for me some of the worst advice was just like keep doing your thing and you'll be right and the next thing you know I've got to, I think I had two one-year contracts and I was out of the system a week before my 20th birthday and learnt the hard way of going this opportunity that I'd dreamt about my whole life to be a professional athlete, play AFL, do whatever was just gone and then the experience of that, the harsh lesson of even though, whatever, I've got a different life now, I haven't played sport for maybe like seven years since I had a bad knee injury but it's um, – it's one of those things now looking back and seeing like Richmond's success. they won three, three premierships with the same group of people that were drafted at the same time as me. and it's a harsh lesson I learned by watching every every week, seeing people who have lived a different experience based on maybe it's relationship type stuff, maybe it's just opportunities, maybe it's just whatever it might be. and it's like that harsh lesson for me was like, it's gone. You know, sometimes opportunities are there and then they're gone. and if you don't make the most of that opportunity, It's hard not to live with, and I I still think about it a lot. I always, I push past it. I don't have that, like I. But I still look back and I didn't make it as much as I would have liked to make it. Everyone always says to me, but you got
0: to play. Like how you really felt like if you felt like you were your true authentic self and stood up but you're a young kid who's not going to put their head yeah, on the chopping
2: block. 18 years lot. old in a, yeah. in, a, in a man's environment come out as a, like a, I feel like now I was very immature compared to what I, what I was but it's also I was in a different a crossover time I think from in that industry of very old school mentality versus – I'm not an old school mentality type of bloke, you know, what I mean like I was going footy training and doing uni outside hours and getting the club being confused about why I was not in on our roster day off on a Wednesday because I was at uni. They didn't it wasn't really a like a positive thing that I was out trying to do other things. They're like you need to be fully focused. I was like, yeah, but I'm five foot nine and 63 kilos. I don't know how like. Ring and wet. Yeah, I don't know how like how how long I have. So if I don't prepare and and footy and and all sports is one of those things. You've got a finite career time and I think that especially now you see so many people struggle to find meaning and purpose in life after sports who have been there or almost achieved stuff and there's a lot of sad stuff and I can definitely say I lived in the sadness for a little while of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and like what comes next but it's also been like it's a now looking back I, I, I'm aware of like that's who I am it's one of the things that makes me what I do and um, I, feel, I don't know I feel I feel, I feel proud about it. I, for a long time I didn't feel because I felt like I didn't make it as much as I would have liked I didn't feel proud of what I'd done and I feel like that was pretty it was a sad a, a sad way to look at things but again it's like time, time heals stuff you know but that, that my my Feedback on that one is harsh lessons of grab an opportunity when it's there to take, and sometimes looking now, like we don't say no to opportunities. No, like, well,
0: that's well, we- that's the that's the thing too, because you see a lot of uh, well, it is it's what what you say no to as well, you know, especially when you're in the hustle mode and you're trying to get things going, and then you're hearing all the advice. It's what you say no to as well. It's, not,
2: it's, it's like if I look back, it's like it's not that I wasn't saying no, but it's like if I was like sitting back, not grabbing the thing, like the opportunity, like sitting back and like waiting for it to unveil a little bit, thinking I was doing the right thing whereas like the harsh, the world's a harsh place and... and take um, control. you got to take control of your yeah. own destiny a little bit.
1: When you say like with your uni stuff, you were doing your uni and they were saying why are you not here on your rest of day off, did you feel like in hindsight you didn't go all in on it? No. Yeah.
2: I still think that they, like... We the AFL Players Association, we have a roster day off, so it was legally we weren't meant to be at the club on a Wednesday. And I still remember because I was in the first and second year players. They started introducing a first and second year session, just it was like a weight session or whatever, and I had my lecture <laughs> at the same time and. I failed my one of the subjects on thing. I had to pay like three grand for the unit because I couldn't make it on attendance. I failed on attendance at uni because they started guilting me to come into this session that was a rostered day off. And I look at that and I go, I'm 18 years old. I'm trying to make the best of what I'm doing. I feel like they didn't handle it that well. And it's the industry's changed now. How much do they promote other people having interests and stuff outside footy? And I just think I was in that crossover period where things weren't really – like new generation of how people want to – they want to come to work and feel accepted and happy, and they can be their authentic self or whatever that actually looks like. And that was just—it's just an interesting time that I look back now. And I, I don't. When I do work with teams and stuff, I just want to make sure that people can come in and they still know what they need to do. But like their differences are like celebrated and accepted because that's what makes people unique.
1: Oh, I love that so much. I mean, I can imagine there was a heaps of pain in it, but it's what I love about your story is. And it probably has taken years and years, right, to get to the space of being able to talk about it in this way of, like, all the learnings. But I do love, like, there's something really powerful about those painful lessons that we go through of, like, unless I had this, I probably wouldn't be who I am.
2: Oh, well, 100%. For those who, like, my first job after playing footy, so for the first two years out of school, I'm going, this is crazy. I never had a job now, I'm making some money, I'm playing on the MCG. Like... If
0: only fans had have existed back then, I reckon. <laughs>
2: what, what things about? could have taken a different direction. You would have
1: been making him some money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I seriously like,
2: got the chop and then I was like, all right, well, what am I going to do now? So I couldn't. I worked for my, my old man, a, a Sparky, so he puts in air conditioners, so I did some stuff with that. And his whole thing growing up was like, you don't want to do what I do. That was his thing for me. He didn't want me to – he goes, I'm sending you to a good school, uh, my mum's a teacher, Once you get an education so that you don't have to do – this stuff you don't have to do manual labour. It's taxing. He's had two hip replacements. His body's cooked. He's like not even sixty yet, but a year a, a lot of like manual stuff. It's it's hard. It's harsh work. And
0: he used to kick lots of goals too. He so did kick his goals. legs are a bit sore. She,
2: big shout out to Ashley. But um, I, I feel like my, my first job after this after not finding a fight I couldn't get anyone to take me seriously. So I was handing out CVs at um, for people who understand where in, in Melbourne the Hyperion Shopping Centre out in Maribyrnong I was. Handing out my CVs to things like JJ's and JB Hi-Fi, and that couldn't get a couldn't get a job interview, mate. But the job, my first job after playing AFL footy, was at EB Games, the video games store. Which the weird thing was, the we sold the PlayStation game, the AFL PlayStation game, where I was a character on. So my name, number forty-five, Richmond was still on the AFL game, and I was selling it wearing my school pants and school shoes, wearing a shirt at High Point. And I was like, "This is my life's weird." Eating you know sushi, I mean?
0: sushi for for Sitting lunch. in the
2: food court, and going <laughs> fuck. A year ago, I was playing footy. Now I'm at High Point working. Burning like, Joel McDonald on the G. Yeah, it's uh, like, and, and I feel like that. My, I, I look back now. I, I definitely have had a weird experience because not many people can say that they've. I have had high highs and weird lows in a really early age that ex- made me realize like the, well, I don't know. You gotta you gotta like what you do, you know. And I feel like I've always pushed that into trying to make a career now in business, I really see this as like an opportunity to have a second, second chance on something I'm passionate about and I'm good at it. And we always talk about there's no end date in this, unlike sports. The infinite
0: game, is that what they call it, the That's infinite it. game? Well, you don't have to. Like you can play when you're old, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Or,
2: like or a short-term memory loss. Like <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: There'll be some like, I'll get the Neuralink, baby. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Did you get the chip in the brain? I don't think so, no.
1: That's wow! That story. I visually can see that happening as well. When you tell it, describing that story of working at EB Games, and I love also the reflection of like high highs and low lows. I was talking to someone the other day about. They're like, oh, because I just finished twelve months in my business, first twelve months, and like, how would you describe them? Like high highs, low lows. Like that's how I would talk about it. And. I think there's good things in that of it gives you grit, it gives you resilience, it helps you understand what you do and don't want from your career and your work and also what you want from your lifestyle as well. Like it's not just about like selling your soul for a job or a career. You're doing it for another reason.
2: You did say before, Locke, that you do anything for money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> anything. Okay. Everyone's
2: got a price. Everyone's got a price.
1: <laughs> no qualifiers on anything. It's yeah, just like anything. all in. <laughs> Literally well, anything.
0: <laughs> I would do, I've had lots of different jobs and don't really care. And, you know, like I feel a lot of people judge people and what they do for their work and stuff. And at the end of the day, who gives a fuck? You know, can we swear on this? I don't know. Yeah, can it's swear. yeah. Who cares? You know, like they're just trying their best to, with what they know and whatever. People just need to be a bit kinder, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, on that note though, I'd love to know, we're going to go to a quick break and when we come back, look, I need you to tell me your either worst career advice or most painful career lesson. If you want to grow in your career, I just wanted to remind you about our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Glenn James and I have written this book to help you with any kind of career crisis, but also those things that you want, like getting a promotion, making more money, moving into a leadership role, or if it's time to quit your job. You can find our book wherever you get good books from, or you can listen on the audiobook, sort your career out, and make more money. Now let's get back to the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
2: Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? Right.
1: all right we're back baby <laughs> let's <laughs> I keep do it saying that. <laughs> I, I put
0: that word in the in the room and now it's all. it's just echoing it's contagious. everywhere
1: okay tell us painful lesson or worst career advice
0: Painful. I had a painful lesson when I was working at Mooney Valley Legends Bar. So I was – I come back from Canada. I mean, Rob actually had a chat, didn't we? Was it – that was after Canada, wasn't it? Yeah, because I come back.
2: I dropped you off. I drove you.
0: Because I was feeling a bit lost. I was like, I don't even know what I want to do. You know, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know where to start. We had a conversation
2: like this in the car park. Yeah, for about half an hour, an hour maybe. Holding back some tears.
0: Can you remember? I didn't cry, but there was, there was a D&M, wasn't it? Because you're very – Rob's very good at helping people and, and working through situations with people which I don't know if I've ever said that to you in person in real well, we'll life.
2: i have to go on some other pods more often. Get you yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 Te- yeah. Tease some uh, love from me. But <laughs> we just had a chat and it was like, I don't know, I just felt like I didn't know what I wanted to do and then I got a job there. I was still working at the Mooney Valley Legends Bar or whatever, but still feeling a bit lost and that was paying all my bills. So like paying rent, paying for food, paying for everything. I was working casual, but like full-time sort of hours just Split shifts and all that sort of stuff. And you were Christmas Day for nearly five years. Yeah, for five years or whatever. Oh, wow. And then, like, really awesome people ran the place and really loved all the regulars. So year's. that was five years. No, not New Year's. I take that off. You
2: take New Year's. So you didn't
0: have to you pick pick one. Christmas. Huh?
1: You'd You'd fixed, have to pick one. You You picked New Year's. I was young.
0: I was never going to get the first back, you know. So, anyway. Charles didn't like, his partner didn't like him to do the yeah. Christmas yeah. Day shift, you know. Yeah. He's no. not here for Santa. Good cash, though. <laughs> good cash. <laughs> um, but I remember the boss left, and then all of a sudden there was this new management that took over. and – They didn't care. They brought their people in and I think it was just a harsh lesson of I love the place but things can change like that and totally out of my control and you're trying to make the best of the situation but it didn't work out so I was freaking out going, like, shifts have been cut in half. I'm going to pay for this. I'm going to pay for that. It's not like I've saved up much, you know, so it was like fight or flight mode so I think that lesson for me was just things can happen outside of your control so, yeah, I I just think you can't take things for granted and – Now with every job that I have, you try and do a really good job because anything can happen if you're top of the list or you're doing a good job, you'll hopefully be considered. I think especially especially
2: now, I've seen it. We've got so many people in our community. I'm sure that your community have been impacted as well. Round of redundancies, people have been finding themselves out of work for the first time maybe ever. They've never – or if they've ever changed jobs or made a different thing, it's by their choice. And now Mm. they're going, what do I do now that I – have to go out there and make something happen. I think that Locke and I have both had that experience a few times where you've got to go and, like, pick yourself up pretty quickly and make a call and, and it goes to what you were saying before about, like, you attach a lot of meaning and stuff to your job and I, I do too but sometimes there's still stepping stones. Mm. You know, like, a job can still just be a job. Yeah, I'm doing this because i Yeah. Well, the whole
0: thing, uh, going to Canada, I know I mentioned it a lot, but saving up, I, I reckon I had the worst job, one of the hardest jobs, but I learnt the biggest lesson. Like I was working for the Victorian Electoral Commission assessing people's fines and I had to put your hand up if you want to go to the toilet. It was crazy. <laughs> but uh, the light Can at the end of the tunnel... Coming to put his hand I
2: love it. Excuse me. But <laughs> I
0: met so many cool people there, but the... I don't know. I was just like, I knew there was light at the end of the tunnel. I knew I was doing it for a finite yeah. amount of time to get to somewhere. And I feel like even with the pandemic and COVID, had friends who were pilots and stuff and they got heavily impacted, obviously, uh, tourism and stuff. So for them to go, they've studied their whole life, paid all this money to, for their pilot licence to, to do this career and all of a sudden that gets swept and now you're working at the bottle shop or something like that. You know, things can happen. So it's about detaching, isn't it, a little bit? That's what I found for, for me personally. It's like caring but, you know, it's not your soul, you know.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's not – your your whole sense of worth isn't connected to the work that you do or the employer that you're with. Like I think we always need to be thinking beyond our current gig. Like I'm here and I'm invested but I at some point, whether it's my, my decision or my employer's decision, I could be somewhere else really quickly or need to find something else really quickly. So I think it's a healthy level of commitment but not attaching – and I know you've talked about this, Rob – not attaching your identity – to the job that you're doing because I think that's a really unsafe place to be as people.
2: I've seen it now, one, with the the redundancies going on, these people who have been at organisations and played a big, like helped shape a lot of things and I think the harshest part, I think the way we're seeing now uh, on the landscape how it's changing, it's a lot of people who are really good at their job who have might have helped an organisation jump up to the next level of growth or achieve goals or set processes up or they're the expert that have come in and done this and when it comes time to cut the costs, they go, well, you've done t- such a good job, we're going to get a junior in to come replace you and you're gone. <laughs> you know? And can you teach them before you go? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, do, put, do all your handover notes really well so that. <laughs> I just think work's It's so
2: weird. The more now that you think about it, like the whole notion of work and careers and like embedding yourself in an organisation, I think that's why if you're not a people-led organisation now and you don't have empathy and you're not creating an environment where people can feel safe and have open conversations and feel like if you're going to leave somewhere, at least if you, by choice, you're going to leave it in a better place mm-hmm. and you can actually feel okay about doing a handover, not how you had to do when we had to train the next person to <laughs> take the <laughs> job. Yeah. Here's, here's, all my, here's my cheat sheet. <laughs> go well. Let me know how you go. Do you have any more questions? I'll be outside. Can you leave me a couple of do- dollars? <laughs> <laughs> I need some money for the bus. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so nice. How good. Yeah, it's – I reckon redundancies or terminations that aren't your choice, end of employment that's not your choice, I reckon they're the toughest things people deal with in their career and their, in their employment. I don't think there's many things more painful. Because like, even just resigning from a job that you love is painful, I think. But when you add in the layer of an organisation has made a decision, they've weighed it up, there's something that like hits with, am I valuable? Like do I have value?
0: Oh, 100%. You'd you'd be thinking, like you just said perception is reality. If you're one of the ones to get redundant, you're automatically thinking, oh, people aren't going to think I'm good because I'm the one who got cut. There's still some people left and it all depends on the round. That's a a
2: weird thing. I remember I was working at, I've done a lot of work in in projects or delivery and, and so a lot of people... They're not always perms. It's maybe like a a flexible staff, maybe like 40%, 50% perm and there's a big chunk on contractors for exactly this reason. So when the project's finished, you can flick them off or you can hire them if you you need to run it as a BAU thing. But really you just get people in and and being sort of like floating through as a contractor or someone sort of comes in outside of the organisation. He's a business perv. It happens all the time. And I remember being at Telstra a week before Christmas and I got there was they made some cuts to the project, and a week before Christmas, this was maybe back in 2016 or something like that. I remember getting hit with a thanks, but you you you, you don't need to come back. I was like, oh, when do I finish? Like, oh no, now we'll get you'll pay an extra week or so, but you're you not coming back. But I was like, oh, what am I going to do for work in January? <laughs>
1: I was like, I Merry Christmas, <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas, yeah, great no job. Yeah, it's it's we it's uncanny how many redundancies and ends. Of contract happen around that time. Like, it's weird. Like, from an HR perspective, it sometimes it just seems to happen.
2: Middle of the year hires, it has to be that.
1: Oh, it's just the worst. It's like, seriously, just hold off. Just, you surely you have got enough budget to cover people till like the new year.
2: Yeah, don't, don't give them the, well, the
1: Christmas people- present.
0: They are hiring fire fast, yeah? Like, that, that's, that's a good strategy, like seeing if they can, you know, you like the vibe or whatever, but you're in the but of con-
2: contractors and But end of, of contracts are a different thing. Yeah. But when contract times fall around those things, and people have to make a call. It's just interesting. That's why you schedule your contract so
0: it doesn't end until like the hot zone, you know, around May, June, July. Yeah, you July. don't have
2: an end yeah. between December and February. We, we
0: were conscious of all that sort of stuff though, running the business. We were like, business doesn't operate in the, those times really. People don't make
2: any calls. People who are the decision makers, they're on holidays. They don't care, you know. Mm. December through maybe, uh, end of Jan.
1: Yeah, it's weird, hey. I mean, I think there is so much good stuff that both of you have described. I love the idea of how do you change things up. So if you're in a job right now, in a career right now, and you think, oh, I feel stuck, I'm terrified to try something new, but I know I can't stay here, listen to Locke's advice, try something new, give it a go, just go all in. I think that's really good. It's been something for me, like any time I've taken a good career risk has been when I haven't been ready. Like, you have yourself ready. the
0: time, don't you? Like, it's like you can't really do it if you don't have the time spent on it. Like, you you talk about finding time to think. You're the, you're the quarterback. You
2: need you need like a day to just think about the plan or to come up with a plan. I think if you if you're trying to make a career change and jump ship too, I think it's important to have that like self reflection, self awareness to know what you're good at and what you're not that good at, or the type of things you like doing, and that are job agnostic. So, hey, if I wasn't doing this particular job today. Uh, Maybe you're a really organised person and you smash out, um, you're really good at scheduling and planning and you're coordinating or you're really good with people or whatever your actual skill sets are. How could, where else would those skill sets be used? And then make a hit list and go backwards that way versus I need to go and get the exact same job at somewhere else. Yeah. You know, I feel like people get that, they get stuck. yeah,
0: Yeah, because you don't know what's on the other side. It's like learning how to fall, you know. Starting
2: anything new, though, is stressful. And it comes with anxiety of, like... Oh, yeah. But it's the best part. It's always
0: hard. But, like, once you do it, you're, like, it becomes easy. I think of, like, Eddie Maguire, yeah? Honestly, I don't if it does. No. Nah.
2: This
1: <laughs> is your positivity strength nah. coming out. Like, I'm, like, bloody hell, no. no. Same as
2: you, I'm thinking, all the time, I think, fuck me, I've got anxiety again. I We've started a thousand new things and I still get anxiety.
0: But look at, like, say, for instance, Eddie Maguire, yeah? I look at him and he's so good on TV and it's, like, how did he get so good on TV? Because he just he put himself in the hardest situation, Live on air a bunch of times, failed heaps of times on micro little levels, and now he's a jet, you know. And you're like, if you put yourself in the hardest arena, and you're doing it all the time, and you make it look easy, like Scott Penelbre.
2: it Brene Brown has it in the arena? That's her. Is it? Yeah. Quoting. I haven't. Don't comment unless you've been in the arena. Like people who are very quick to make comments. Ah, uh, I
1: going. love that. I, you know what I was thinking, and this just on that, and we're gonna wrap up because we have got our part two. I think I, when I was, when we were writing the book, like I felt paralysed by a- anxiety of like I'm going to release this thing or it's going to get all this criticism and like there'll be heaps of crap in there that like two years from now I think that was the worst advice ever. You know, I was, I was terrified of that and I couldn't write it for ages. Like I just, it would just, I wrote like two paragraphs, I sat on that for like a month and I got to this epiphany moment of heaps of people might criticise this book but none of them will have wrote a book. That's it. And I'm like, so stuff here. I don't care. If, if you- <laughs> JK
0: Rowling's going to reach out, I'll probably cop her feedback. But
1: <laughs> other than that, fuck off. <laughs> so I do think there's something in that. Like take feedback from people who do it. Like if you guys have feedback on my podcast, I'll gladly hear it because you do four episodes a week, which is way more than I do. I don't know how you do it. It's amazing. Hey, love your work. We're going to do another episode, part two, unsolicited career advice, except this time it's going to be questions that our community has sent in.
2: Can't wait. Hey, thanks for having us.
1: Thanks for hanging out. And if you like the show, give us a five-star rating and a review because we love your feedback. Thanks. Bye.